Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself continue our discussion on the Fifth Commandment. Welcome to Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I have with me Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brian Rickey. Good to see you guys again. It's nice to continue on with Fifth Commandment stuff. Yeah, and I think we proved last time that there's a lot to talk about with the the Fifth Commandment, and and every commandment, really. Yeah, when we've covered this in every commandment, Mm -hmm. we could do an entire podcast series on each commandment and not scratch the surface, and Mm -hmm. how it impacts in Scripture, how it impacts the Christian life, how it impacts the church. Uh, Trying to do a thoroughgoing brief summary, if you can Mm -hmm. have that oxymoron, is what we're going for here. And I think it's a, I think we've kind of fallen into a good pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. And so the pattern here is to have an episode introducing the commandment and yep. then another episode looking at a scriptural passage that talks about the promoting of that, uh, what that commandment is promoting. And then another episode looking at another scriptural passage of prohibiting Yep. Or promote, pro- prohibit, prohibit, then promote. Sorry, I think I flipped. Either it one, we yeah. we do it in either order. But but the the principles are there, and so uh, part of the reason why we're doing the Bible studies is to demonstrate that we are not placing the Lutheran confessions above Scripture, mm-hmm. but to demonstrate how the Lutheran confessions summarize the teaching that is in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and part of the reason is just to see these principles at play in God's own word. That that really, especially with the catechism, mm-hmm. that the basics of our faith are everywhere in God's word. All the New Testament, mm-hmm. uh, different genres, you know, epistle, history, gospel, right. so on and so forth, it's all there. Right, and, and you know, I envision the listeners to this would start to see those connections in other passages of Scripture that they look at in their own study and their own reading, and hopefully and prayerfully that happens. Yeah, and really a recommendation that I have with that uh, is if you want to get into reading Luther, you know, the Catechism is a great place to start, but Luther has several volumes on his sermons. One of the great things he does that I'm trying to incorporate as I preach, especially when I'm in ruts or having difficulty writing a sermon on a passage, is Luther would simply ask what part of this, Mm -hmm. uh, what part of the catechism is this uh, Mm -hmm. passage teaching us about? And if I can add to that, we talked a little bit on the last episode about how some would say Jesus reinterpreted the Ten Commandments, which that is not true. I I don't describe to that, nor does Luther. And a great volume to read is his volume of Luther's works on the Sermon on the Mount. I think it's one of the most extraordinary volumes in his entire collection. And his work on the Sermon on the Mount is one of the best exegetical applications and explanation of how Jesus is unfolding that this is a heart issue. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and good. So we're going to be diving into a story from Scripture where there was definitely a heart issue going on. And so let's go to that passage now, and I'll go ahead and read it for us from Genesis 4. We're looking at the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, what's that line from the... Was it remember, remember the Titans? It's as old as Cain and Abel. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, you, you, there's not much more history right. uh, in the world before Cain and Abel, that's for sure, you know, all the way back to Genesis 4. But I don't think there's a better passage mm-hmm. in Scripture that teaches about murder, that teaches right. the, the most basic principle yep. of the fifth commandment forbidding this. And even the seed of murder that gave birth to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, let's read Genesis 4. 
You can follow along with me. <clears throat> says this, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will, not, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Here ends the reading of God's word. Amen. Amen. Now, Jason, you mentioned before we started recording this episode that you wanted to touch very briefly on the first part. Highlight. Then, all right, all right. We were supposed to restrain you from yeah. going too far. I'm going to set a timer and <laughs> you go ahead. So the birth of Cain in scripture is a huge theological issue. There's so much there. And really, this is also Luther at his very best in interpreting scripture. Uh, when Eve gives birth to Cain there in Genesis 4.1, she says, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. That is a very generous mm -hmm. English translation of the Hebrew. The Hebrew literally says, I have gotten a man dash the Lord or hyphen the Lord. And Luther taught, and I agree with him wholeheartedly, that it was Eve's belief, erroneous belief, but it was Eve's belief that she had given birth to the promised Messiah mm -hmm. that God had promised back in Genesis 3.15 with the seed of the woman. And Eve had this notion that the very first seed was going to be the man who would rescue the people from their sins, that it was God incarnate. Mm -hmm. And so that confession of Eve adds another layer and another depth of color to what's going on with Cain and Abel because you see how far off Eve really was with who Cain was. Mm -hmm. I bet that was that succinct enough. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you, we you, can handle you that. Kept it within a good amount of time. All right. Good. <laughs> I was just about to ring the buzzer. Oh, good. <laughs> I, I, I right in under the time then. Huh? Good. Yeah. And so that. That provides a, the backdrop of this story, yep. this murder story. I almost said murder mystery. It's not a mystery. Oh, we know. <laughs> uh, I like true crime stuff, but there's no need for a forensic detective here uh, on this case. Well, when the detective is a god, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he knows the evidence thoroughly. Right. He's not interpreting the evidence. Yeah. He's saying, you did this. <laughs> even, even though he does say, you know, what have you done? You know, it's... Uh, 
it's not a asking for information. That's no. a teaching moment right mm-hmm. there. And God always does that through questions. And I think that's what Luther picked up on as he, you know, proceeded to write the catechisms. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. that's long gospel used by God himself with his own word. It's, right. God is providing Cain an opportunity for repentance. Mm-hmm. God provides him with an opportunity for repentance when his sacrifice isn't accepted, mm-hmm. and he provides him with another opportunity for repentance when he confronts Cain after the murder. Right, right. Yeah, so we, we talk often about how the commandments are not just the gloss, just don't kill. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how does this story illustrate that it's deeper than just stopping the heart of another human being. Well, the principle is just don't kill here, mm-hmm. right? The murder itself. But as, as Brian kind of alluded to at the beginning of the episode, what we see first is a heart issue of, mm-hmm. of, of Cain harboring sin unseen, mm-hmm. unprovable sin in his heart. And that's what took him to the next step to murder. And what's so interesting is the effects of original sin mm-hmm. took root Right away. And there it is. That's the manifestation of being born separated from God, being born with a sinful condition, need, needing a Savior. Mm-hmm. And, and we, you know, I, I think because we don't have the full background story, we have no recollection of, you know, the. we're probably assuming these guys are in their early 20s. Yeah, you right. know, they're responsible young men. Uh, young men at that point in time. But it, it's tempting, at least from my perspective, to think, well, these guys never sinned before that. Uh, but we know that's not the case. First of all, because original sin teaches us they were conceived in sin. They were the first humans conceived mm-hmm. in sin. But I think also you see the evidence for original sin in Cain's life. I mean, he did the bare minimum from the perspective of offering the sacrifice. And, you know, this isn't proof that God's not a vegetarian, kind of he didn't accept the crops. <laughs> it's that, you know, Hebrews really explains this for us. Cain's offering was done in faith. In faith, right. Uh, Abel's offering was done in faith. Mm -hmm. Cain's offering was done apart from faith. It was obligation. It was just purely obligation. And and again, the heart was not engaged. It was an I have to, not an I want to. And that itself is the commentary on the law here. It's not just don't kill anyone. Mm -hmm. It's that you're doing it for the right reasons with the proper motivation out of love. And there's the real issues. Cain was harboring this sin. And what Mm -hmm. ends up happening is that Romans 1, 18 through the end of the chapter becomes a commentary by Paul through the Holy Spirit on this. Mm -hmm. Because Paul said that the first error is humans worshipped the creature rather than the creator. The key phrase in Romans 1 is God gave them up. So this unrepentant sin in this life carried Cain further and further away from fellowship with God to the point where it just broke. Yeah. You know, unbelief rears its ugly head. Mm-hmm. And you notice at the end, Cain is not sorry ever that he killed his brother. He doesn't mourn the loss of his own flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. He mourns that he got busted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And... And you see that in the the response that he gives to God there. And yeah, God deals with him and he is gracious to him. And well, you, you see a lot of, of what Romans 2 4 was talking about, and, you know, and our reformed brethren, you know, is the term <laughs> that, you know, our, 
our friends across the Christian spectrum there in Calvinism, yeah. uh, one of the things I like about what, what, the way they term things, this is common grace. Mm-hmm. This is the grace of God he gives to all people. But Romans 2.4 says, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And mm-hmm. you have that verse, you have 2 Corinthians 5.18, God was not counting their sins against them. Uh, God's common grace, his provision for sinners and, mm-hmm. you know, Christians alike is all is designed to bring us to repentance. And God, again, and we, we've emphasized this before, giving Cain opportunity for repentance, mm-hmm. showing that principle to explain it to us through his word that when you aren't caught, when, when you don't get that karmic response to sin where you, you get your comeuppance, uh, it, it's not that you beat the system, it's that God's giving you opportunity to repent, and, mm-hmm. and we should praise God for that. We should yeah, praise yeah. God that it, immediately after us sinning, we're not, you know, he doesn't smite us with a lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. Well, even how he dealt with Adam and Eve directly after the sin, yeah. he provided for them physically and spiritually, physically in clothing them and spiritually in promise of salvation through the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it would have been so easy for God to just wipe them both out, start over and do it again. But God had Jesus in mind. You know, the Trinity, you know, God the Son was there. The redemption of uh, his saints in mind from the foundations of the world, from eternity. And, and, and that's a key to understanding the way God interacts with sinners. And, and we, again, our default position, even as Christians, is karma. And so if we sin, uh, my response as a pastor who should know better, as a lifelong Christian who should know better, my immediate response is, well, before I talk to God about this, I better do something good to cancel it out. Mm. And that, that, that's karma. That, that's this, uh, this error that we have control over God's opinion of us by being good or being bad. And that mm-hmm. puts our relationship with God on this sliding scale. And that's not how it works at mm-hmm. all. How would you compare what you just said as far as using the word karma to a works righteousness kind of mindset? Same thing. Same thing. Karma mm-hmm. is that. And it's just, it, it's much more shocking and unsettling to call it what it is. Works you righteousness. Like you get what you have coming to you. Yep, is yep. that the, yeah. Uh, if I'm earning God's favor, if I'm trying to please him by being nice or by this external observance of the commandment, all it is is karma. Mm-hmm. It's the same with the prosperity gospel is we want to back God into a corner so he's forced to bless us. And that's not how it works at all. Everything we have good in our lives uh, is God's grace, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to recognize that. And God's grace, God's mercy, Romans 2, 4, again, is designed to bring about repentance, mm-hmm. designed to drive us away from ourselves to the feet of God to find mercy. Mm-hmm. And it goes right back to the heart because, again, it's a heart issue. It's to create in us a humble heart, a clean heart, mm-hmm. oh God. Mm-hmm. You know, what sacrifice did God Never turn away a contrite spirit and a humble heart, you know, and that's what is, God is looking for. And it's always been that way, even in the law of Moses, you know, circumcised, therefore, the foreskin of your heart. Yep. And, and so you, so what, what would repentance have looked like in this story if it would have happened? I mean, it would have looked like Cain on his knees before God saying, sure. oh, Lord, I'm sorry, right. before he would have, the He curse. would have confessed yeah. not only the, the, the murder, but he would have confessed the... The, the heart motivations. The faithlessness. Let, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. He would have, and, and we can kind of attach a picture to the heart, but what you're talking about, and we don't want to make stages or formulaic, but in sin, we have a hard heart. We have a cold, dead heart, Ephesians 2, 1. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. Uh, under the law, we have a terrified heart. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that's as far as Cain got. 
is he was terrified, mm-hmm. but he never cried out for mercy. Where, where we cry out to God for mercy, and that is where God grants us life. Where you get that heart of flesh, that new heart. Mm-hmm. That beautiful exchange uh, talked about in Ezekiel chapter 36. Yeah, exactly. And Spiritual heart surgery. Yeah, there you go, like that. And, and at the same time, we always have to make this qualification because of Disney. <laughs> uh, but Jeremiah said, well, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to go there, but this follow your heart nonsense, yeah. uh, especially when we have this cold, dead heart. We, we have to be careful. Jeremiah 17 9, the heart is, uh, you know, desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Well, I'm telling you, it goes deeper than Disney, man. It, it, it's in every aspect of media, whether it's music, sure. movies, episodes on Netflix, whatever. It's all mm-hmm. that message. Yep. And so don't follow your heart. I wish we could show the, or have an audio representation of the, the Adam Ford. Yeah. You ever seen the one with the heart, like the, yeah. the wicked heart? Well, what did Jesus say in the Gospel of John? He did not entrust himself to anyone because he knew. He knew what was in a man. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think I, that makes for a good final application of what's going on mm-hmm. there is Jesus knows your sin. God knows your sin mm-hmm. more than you would even know the depth of your sin. And so when we become terrified because of a sin we know we commit, the, the fact that God knows it runs much deeper, that's mm-hmm. the effect of law in our lives. It's yeah. got to be there to constantly drive us to God for mercy. Right. But while we were yet sinners. Mm-hmm. Christ died for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I, this story intrigues me in that you see, yes, the actual murder or the killing taking place, but you also see the the things leading up to that that are equally as breaking of this commandment as the actual murder. And you see the things flowing from that. Again, mm-hmm. the fruit of faithlessness in Cain's life is that he never repented. He accepted the curse. And Luther, again, in his Genesis commentary, goes from here on until we get to Noah, where he talks about the church of Seth, mm-hmm. who is the replaced faithful son of Adam and Eve, and the church of Cain. And that's where you get the the opposition to the gospel, what leads to God destroying the whole world with a flood, because Cain just never repented. He mm-hmm. he he wanted to get out of the punishment. God gave him grace. That you you have that that double curse on Cain, where he is cursed, but anyone who kills him is cursed. And it goes even further into his descendants, and you get to Lamech. Mm-hmm. Uh, listed in the line of Cain. He said, oh, I killed a man too. And, 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 you know, I double the curse of Cain is basically what he says to his two wives. You know, if someone kills me, you know, no way. They're going to be doubly cursed. Mm-hmm. And that arrogance in the line of, well, I didn't get punished. And, and so I'm all right. And then what that led to, you know, you think about right before Noah, how the word of God describes the people that they only and continually did what was evil. Yeah, Genesis 6-5. Think about that, only and continually. Yeah. That's a pretty convicting statement there. Well, and it wipes out this notion that we are good people because the mm-hmm. si- the good outweighs the bad. Sure. Because the commentary on the flood is then you get to, I think it's what, Genesis 8.24? Somewhere in there, it's Genesis 8 after the flood. Uh, God's confession is, yeah, man's heart is intent on evil from, its, from his youth. Right. So that I think of people that, you know, we casually say sometimes... I'm going to kill you, or, yeah. or I, I would just, I could kill that person. But maybe they, I know they would say that, and that they don't mean that they'll actually go kill that person, but in their mind's eye, they're, they're maybe imagining it, or 
daydreaming about that. Well, and um, again, that's a repentance issue right. because it, it, we talked about in the last episode how intimately related the fifth commandment is to the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Mm-hmm. And this notion, and, and what's the parable of the, the unjust uh, servant who was forgiven a small debt, or uh, forgiven huge, a massive a debt, huge, yeah. and refused to forgive his fellow servant a small right. debt. Yeah. That's murder. Mm-hmm. You know, that's killing. Right. Yeah. Well, any other closing thoughts on this scripture as we wrap up today? I think one thing that we can apply to our lives is that this began with the seed of hatred and envy and jealousy. Uh, You can use either one of those terms as synonyms in a sense. But I'm telling you, that's where it begins. It begins with something small. And I live in Minneapolis, as do you guys are close to a suburb of Minneapolis. And I even see the symptoms of that within how people drive. I mean, how I drive. (laughs) No, I mean, honestly, I think we are who we are when we drive. You know, and as we look at our hearts and we see the symptoms of those things growing in our heart, boy, I hope that the Lord reveals those things to us, those things that are hindering our relationship with one another, hindering our relationship with the Lord. Uh, Again, not that that we're trying to earn Christ's righteousness or add to Christ's righteousness because we can't, because apart from Christ, we can do nothing. But God lovingly wants to prune us and to grow us and mold us into the people he longs for us to become. Why? For his glory. Yeah, and and in that, with that application aspect of it, is the encouragement, the pleading from Scripture to you to repent right away when you're convicted of sin. Mm -hmm. I know I have a habit in my life to waiting until the sting of sin goes away to address it, and then it's it's dead again. Mm-hmm. Your, your heart is cold, so to speak. And again, not that we're putting it on this spectrum or anything, but the point of being convicted of sin is to repent. And yeah. so when you feel you're most sinful is when you ought to be crying out to God for mercy and forgiveness and repentance. And don't follow Adam and Eve's example, own it. Don't blame each other. Don't blame someone else. Don't blame the world and the sinfulness of whatever. Own it. Mm-hmm. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive Amen. us our sins and cleanse mm-hmm. us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. I think that's a, a good way to end this episode with a, a word of gospel, word of good Amen. news yep. to, uh, to clear, uh, clear our conscience um, with the power of, of God's grace. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, join us next week as Pastor Brett, Pastor Jason, and myself continue our discussion on the Fifth Commandment. God bless you and have a great week.